Welcome to RevAmp, the revenue amplification podcast powered by DealHub.io. I'm your host, Gideon Thomas, and we will be speaking to some of the most exciting revenue leaders within the community. Alison Clark, welcome to the RevAmp podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you on board here today. And for those who don't already have the pleasure of knowing you, um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself, perhaps your role and where you're working right now? Sure. Great to meet you, Gideon. I'm glad we're getting to talk today. So my name is Alison Clark. Like you mentioned, I work for a Series A uh, SaaS company called Halo Health. Uh, It's headquartered in Cincinnati, Uh, Ohio. I actually work out of my home in Chicago. Um, We are a uh, healthcare communication app. Uh, So this is something that uh, doctors and nurses would use to communicate uh, about their their work. Uh, Kind of trying to replace some of the old school technology in hospitals like pagers and uh, things of that nature that we all feel like should have gone by the wayside a long time ago, but still exist in the healthcare world. Um, So we're about a 70-person company. Uh, We've gone all remote since the pandemic, uh, so we're all spread out all over the country now. Um, But in my role, so I was hired here at Halo as a director of revenue operations. I was just recently promoted to vice president of business operations, which basically just means, you know, for an operations person, when you have RevOps as your title, you're owning quite a lot and business operations, as far as I can tell, just means you own basically everything. (laughs) So now, instead of really focusing on sales, marketing, customer success, it's expanded out towards uh, HR, uh, product, engineering, just basically all of the operations of the way the company um, communicates, collaborates, uh, the tools we use. All of that. So big challenges and exciting new role to take on um, here at Halo. So from what I understand from you, when you when you came on board, you were essentially building out processes that didn't exist and you kind of inherited a certain situation. When you came on board, what were the main challenges or circumstances that you faced and needed to address? So when I first joined the company, which was March 2020, uh, the biggest challenge, and I was fortunate because I had actually worked with um, three of the key executives at Halo at another job. So it was fun to rejoin them and kind of hit the ground running. So we'd done a lot of this together before at another company, so we kind of knew what to do. So um, at Halo, when I joined, they did not have any sort of structure around Uh, creating pricing and contracts proposals um, for customers. And that was the hottest priority, which was kind of a luxury walking into a new job because I feel like sometimes uh, when you join an operations role, it's like, hey, welcome, go figure out what's wrong and then start to fix it. Where when I came in here, it was like, this is it. This is hot priority number one. We have to fix this. Uh, We've got, you know, the sales reps were having to write their own contracts They'd get off the phone with the customer, customer's interested, how much does it cost? It took quite a long time to figure that out. It was kind of like something that had to be custom, um, figured out for every single customer and every single deal. Mm -hmm. So we were never going to be able to get to the volume and velocity that we wanted to get to that way. Right. So that was 
that was hot priority number one, just dove right into that as fast as I could. And I was reporting to the chief financial officer at the time. Um, and this was his highest priority too, because obviously he's starting to think as the company grows and um, gets a little more sophisticated, a little older, start to worry about revenue recognition and um, syncing up all the system, financial systems. And um, when every, every deal was kind of an individual customized snowflake, it made it very hard for him and his team to reconcile anything. So, um, so we started working together right away to first just come up with a pricing calculator. That was priority number one something you could feed some basic information into and get a consistent output of a price. Right. So how did you enforce that? Uh, maybe it's not the right word, but I'll use the word enforce. Like you've come up with a great calculator for your sales team. They know, uh, you know, essentially how to input and get the outputs. How do you make sure that they uh, then go ahead and, and use that in a standardized way? Um, at that stage where, where your context is probably manual still and, and not automated. What was the next step? Yeah, so here's where I was highly motivated to build an automated system at this point, because okay. at this point it was, now Allison's got the, the templates, uh, the Word documents for contracts and proposals. Allison's got the pricing calculator. So now every single deal has to go through Allison. Oh, that's cool. So then, so I was incredibly motivated to build something that they could self-serve, they could go to, they could generate things themselves without having to be the bottleneck, having to be the one holder of all the all the information. Um, if you've ever tried to stand in the way of a salesperson and a contract signature, you know that it's not a very pleasant place to sit. They, uh, mm -hmm. they like to get those done pretty rapidly. So um, hate to be the one person in the way of that. So, um, so yeah, I just started building. To me, once you have a calculator, there's logic there. So then you can build that into, in our case, Salesforce is what we use. And that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to build in basically replicate the pricing calculator into their opportunities um, using standard quotes so that they could get the same output I was getting from the Excel calculator in Salesforce. Mm -hmm. And then of course you, uh, you probably put in, or I know that you put in also um, a method or a means to communicate or to send over documents. Um, was that the next step? Yeah, that was kind of the the next the next step that in my mind was okay. So now I've got I've got the calculator built in there. They can generate a price, and in our case, we were using standard quotes. And I used a um, one special app that I purchased. Uh, we were we were really budget conscious about this. As I mentioned, we're we're a young company. We're growing. Um, so I was kind of balancing. A very low budget for this and also I don't want to uh, over engineer anything that's going to hold us back as we change because we're going to as a scaling growing company we're going to be changing so much yeah and also you're always thinking towards CPQ down the road too like you don't want to build something that's so incompatible with that that either it would be a huge change management project for the sellers to even understand going from something you had built to a CPQ. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was trying to build something that kind of mirrored what a CPQ is like so that someday when we grow into that, it would be a natural progression transition. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, then what they really want is that document. So I built a using a DocuSign Gen, which is their document generation tool. 
Um, that was the tool of choice. We were already using it for e-signatures. So it was an easy, um, it was an easy plugin to buy the gen tool. And what that does is just lets you put buttons on the, on the Salesforce page layout that will output either Word docs or PDFs, in my case, PDFs, because I wanted them locked down mm-hmm. um, and get them out the door. Very good. And how was that received by your sales team? At, uh, oh, sorry. First of all, what was the time period from you entering to that flow being uh, enabled? What, what are we talking, weeks, months? So I joined in March and July, the middle week of July was when we went live on this, um, which was kind of the goal. We have a big uh, quarterly sales meeting. Mm-hmm. So the goal was, for me, it was in that first uh, kind of that Q2 period, build the tool, start using it myself to kind of use myself as the guinea pig and acceptance testing kind of person, Um, see what they were asking me to do. Because at a company this size too, it's not paint by number. Like there's so much customization every time. So I spent most of Q2 just the tools as I was building them myself, tweaking them for the special requests I was getting all the time, mm-hmm. and then rolled it out in July uh, to the whole team. And also at that time, hired somebody to kind of run the deal desk from there. So I felt like the heavy lifting was done on the building, and then someone else could take over uh, the day-to-day work, which was mostly around getting uh, custom terms approved. Were you able so we to... had an approval built into it in Salesforce too. Sorry, I cut you off there. I apologize. I was about to ask you, uh, as, as that kind of came to fruition, were the sales team able to see the difference uh, that it made to them, whether that be in terms of productivity or whether that be an impact on sales performance? Was there any kind of feedback loop there that you experienced? Yeah, it was interesting. So I feel like it was very well received. I have a very lucky right now to have a sales team that's pretty open to new tools and Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty excited to try if we tell them there's something we've built them that's going to make their job easier they're not they're not a resistant sales team which is really is really a luxury I know having done this for a long time sometimes change can be really hard Um, but this team like I mentioned we've got eight sellers um Nobody wanted a one person, you know, roadblock in the middle of them in their contract. So especially just being able to generate a proposal and get it out the door. Uh, Now our sales team is split in half. So we've got an inside sales team that does more high velocity, um, you know, small mid-market type deals. Uh, They are much better suited for the quote tool uh, just because the things they're doing are more standardized. I'm going to sell 10 users and a really basic implementation package. Mm-hmm. Um, the enterprise team has been a challenge because those deals just, based on their complexity, it's much harder to build logic into the tool to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for them, the biggest benefit has just been early conversations and just being able to get a price. They couldn't do that before. So just being able to give out some ballpark numbers of, you know, you've got 2,000 users, here's where the range will be of your subscription pricing. Right. Um, that before was extremely painful for them. And now it's a couple clicks. So they were very thrilled with that. Fantastic. And then what, what happened next or what is happening next? What's the next step in that journey? 
The biggest, um, the biggest challenge has just been change. I mean, I think I'm on V26 of my process builder now because it's uh, the whole uh, quote uh, line item generation that the tool does is all based on a process builder that I that I built last summer, and now we're 26 versions into that. So it just goes to show how many times we kind of change. And anybody who works at the size company knows that's not unusual. But at the same time, it's um, it does, you do start to think, okay, well, at some point I'm going to have to maybe start over, kind of rebuild. You start kind of like building on slowly but surely. And it's like, becomes kind of a Frankenstein. You want to kind of go back, reset. Uh, okay. Our product uh, price book has grown so much. I think we had four products when we started mm-hmm. last year, and now we've got 20 or 30 um, various like a la carte little things people can add on new modules that have been built into our uh to our subscription and it just as it grows that's when you do start to think again about you know maybe buying a more sophisticated tool this has been a great um starter tool and i think i would recommend to anybody you know when you are in this early stage where you don't really know for sure where you're going to go if you over engineer it at that point you're going to probably regret it because things will change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, you know, soon as you start to get more into it and things become more repeatable, um, start looking at things, a little more sophisticated solutions. Then how will my... you know, how will you know that the timing is right for you guys? What, what will the, uh, what will the signal be? I think for us, for me, it'll be uh, right now we're working on a big project to improve our professional services pricing. That's been a big, uh, that's been a difficult nut to crack for us. We've got um, for the smaller mid-market deals, it's pretty, it's pretty solid, but um, it's harder for the enterprise deals. We work on, you know, large health systems. It might be across multiple facilities. They've got all sorts of different kinds of workflows that can come into play, integrations that can come into play. So it's been hard to figure out the configure part of that quoting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think once we get solid on the logic for these things and we know exactly, we get somewhere where it makes sense that these are the questions you ask and this is what you need, that's when I'll feel CPQ ready. Hmm. Very good, Austin. Well, that was super insightful. I actually mostly know the story of CPQ from that point onwards. It's really awesome to hear the slightly before journey right there of, of, of what happens uh, when you're building kind of up from scratch and also really excited that there is so much that you can do proactively, which you have done, um, to put something in that's super professional, organized, and standardized, um, even from the... Uh, I'll call in the earlier stages. Um, so thanks, Alice, um, for, for sharing all of that wisdom, insight, and experience. Of course, wishing you tons of success um, with your next steps in the uh, in the new role and new promotion. And um, thanks from uh, from all of the uh, the RevAm team over here on the podcast side of things. And would encourage anybody that's listening or watching to this at home to uh, to reach out and connect with you on LinkedIn if they have any further questions for you specifically. And uh, and follow you for uh, for kind of your next updates and next steps. Sounds great. Thanks, Gideon.